Welcome to Face the Climb podcast with your host, me, Jen Camille. I'm a strength coach for climbers and outdoor athletes and founder and owner of the online training business, Face the Climb. This podcast is an extension of that business, and we dive into topics all about strength training, lifting, the benefits of lifting for your climbing and your outdoor athlete pursuits. But we also dive into why lifting is so beneficial and why you should be adding strength training into your life because it's not just a phase, it is a lifestyle and the benefits go far beyond just improving your performance. If you're looking to find more information, you can check out the blog on facetheclimb.com backslash blog. And you can also give me a follow on Instagram at face the climb. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Face the Climb podcast. Super stoked for this episode. I'm always excited for the episodes, but as I've been diving more into lifting, strength training, programming, I'm a little more excited. I will say also keep an eye out because I do have a couple interviews lined up, scheduled, some are still being scheduled. And getting more guests on the podcast and getting some former Face Climb uh, athletes on the podcast again. I know we've kind of been on a break from the guests and everything, so I am excited to have those interviews with the people. I am excited for the people that I'm going to be having on, and I can't wait to share those episodes for you. So those will be coming later on. (laughs) Obviously not today. So obviously not today, but they will be coming later on. I do have two scheduled as of right now, and we're in the works of getting a couple more scheduled. And I'm going to be sharing them with all of you as they come. I am excited. And I am excited for today's episode. I also want to mention, super excited, if you are on the email list, then uh, you saw it. If you check your email every day, you saw yesterday an email was sent out that the blog is up and running. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you podcast people, but I've been wanting to start a blog and just dive more. I know people really like podcasts, but then there are other people that aren't the biggest fans of podcasts. They enjoy podcasts, but they also like a quick read, a quick resource to go back to instead of listening to a full episode. So that's what this blog is all about. And I have had a blog and there was like maybe four posts on the blog, but now I am excited. I've been writing a bunch of content, so I'm ahead of the game. I don't have a set schedule for when I'm going to be releasing blog posts on the blog, but I'm going to try to stick to a schedule once I figure it all out, once it makes sense. I'm not the best with schedules, except for when it comes to the podcast every other week. Ah, so good. Except for that one week in June where shit uploaded and then disappeared. I am so, I'm still so, 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 so sorry about that, y'all. But I will get it on like a set consistent schedule. It's probably going to be an every other week thing. I'm thinking every other week on the off weeks of the podcast, if that makes sense. So like throughout the month, it would be like blog post next week, podcast next week, blog post next week, podcast. But then I don't know. We're going to figure it out. We're going to go with it. Maybe it's one blog post, but email list will always be the first to know. But that is live, so go check it out. So exciting, so exciting. It's on my website, facetheclimb.com. And obviously, before we dive into today's episode, we have to do favorite crag snack and coffee. Favorite crag snack from this person, they did sandwich. They just wrote sandwich. You know what? 
I also do love a sandwich at the crack. You know, I am also a big fan of not just PB&Js. I ate PB&Js every day for fucking 14, whatever, how many days I was in the red. I'm so over PB&Js. I'm all about a good deli meat sandwich. Unless it's super hot out, which it is now in the Northeast, there's just something about deli meat on a sandwich in my climbing pack outside if it's hot. There's just, it's just kind of a turnoff for me. Kind of a turnoff. But deli sandwiches, so good. Or like if you get a wrap from like your favorite sub shop or something or your sandwich shop, there's an amazing sandwich shop in New Haven called P&M. It's on Orange Street. Absolutely delicious. They do have a gluten-free wrap, which is awesome. It does fall apart, but whatever. We're living life. We're just out here. But uh, especially for bouldering, those long bouldering days where you're just like throwing yourself at boulders and you're getting so tired, sandwich for the fucking win. Sandwich or wrap for the fucking win. You know, I agree with this person. I 100 agree with this person. Sandwiches for the win. And maybe not PB&Js for myself for a while, but PB&Js are also just a really good, great go-to quick thing. Usually people always have peanut butter and jelly laying around. Not always have deli meat, so, you know, but it is what it is. I I did during the winter, one winter bouldering season before the whole, like, non-dairy shit happened, grilled cheeses. Ugh, a grilled cheese for winter bouldering just hits the fucking spot. And then if you're really fancy, you could add, like, one of those thermos and add some soup in there, tomato soup. Then you have a grilled cheese and tomato soup for fucking winter bouldering. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to find a good non-dairy cheese. I've yet to find a good non-dairy cheese yet that I like. And I'm going to make some fucking grilled cheese and tomato soup and bring it to the crag. Even though I don't have a thermos, I'm going to put add it to the list. I'm going to get a thermos. But we got crag snack <laughs> is a sandwich. And we're going, I'm going to go with this person was, you know, I'm just going to inference here. I think that's the word. Educated guess here that they were talking about more than just a PB&J. I am with you, person. I am with you. And then for coffee, iced coffee. Oh, yes, iced coffee. Please, iced coffee. Did not write if they like anything in their iced coffee or anything. Maybe it's just a good black iced coffee. Little side note, if you're making iced coffee at home... Make coffee ice cubes. If you have an extra coffee tray or if you love coffee, iced coffee as much as me, and obviously this person, it's their favorite coffee, iced coffee. Coffee ice cubes are clutch because then when they like water down, lose their ice form, you have more coffee. Whereas if you have normal ice cubes, it waters down your coffee. You literally just make coffee. And then you pour it in your ice cube tray, and then you freeze it, and then you have coffee ice cubes, and then you just have extra coffee in your coffee. So then when you're drinking your iced coffee, and let's say you gobble that shit down, because I know I gobble that shit down, I drink that shit fast, and then once your coffee ice cubes melt, you have more coffee. It's brilliant! Just gonna put that out there. You are all welcome if you like iced coffee. You are all fucking welcome. So we got sandwiches and iced coffee with my suggestion of iced coffee. Nope. Yeah. Ice coffee cubes. We're going to call them ice. Coffee ice. <laughs> we'll say coffee ice. Okay. That's that's where we're at. But we are going to dive in today's episode. And I'm excited for this one. 
what makes a good climbing training plan? And it's not what you think. Probably it's not what you think. Some of them may be what you think, but it's not what you think. I am literally not going to talk about any reps, any drills, how often you should be climbing or any of that. That's not necessarily what makes a good climbing training plan. Because the first and foremost thing that makes a climbing training plan good is you actually want to have to do it. And it's not choosing a training plan because you're like, oh, that's going to get me to where I want to be. But then in the back of your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to dread this. I'm not interested. This isn't really a priority, but I know I need to make a difference. So I'm going to use my friend's training plan. They did really well with it. They saw improvements, but it is more than I'm doing right now. I don't really have time, but I guess I'll make time. No, that's not going to set you up for success. That's not going to be a good training plan. I don't care if your friend saw improvements from it. That is great for your friend. That training plan worked for your friend because your friend did that climbing training plan and followed through on it. You're not going to follow through on that. Just because, you know, you see a training plan or you see your friends doing a training plan you or even if you buy a training plan from a coach and you get it and it doesn't interest you or it is more time consuming than you actually have time for or there's certain things about the training plan that you just absolutely despise, of course, are there going to be things in a training plan that are hard, that are difficult, that are going to push your limits, that are going to make you feel uncomfortable, get you outside your comfort zone? Yes, 100%. That's how we see growth. But that's different from downright actually hating (laughs) an exercise or a drill or like just being like, I can't bring myself to do this fucking climbing drill again. And I can't bring myself to do this for the next eight weeks. That is very different. And if that's how you feel towards your training plan, then it's not a good training plan. End of story. It's not a good training plan because you're not going to do it. It could be a good training plan for someone else. Going back to, you know, using your friend's training plan and they saw an improvement, that was a good training plan for them. Because they did it, and they wanted to do it, and they completed it. Whereas if you aren't looking forward to any of the exercises, or you aren't looking forward to the one main drill of the week, or it's too time-consuming, and it's just, like, exhausting you, and you don't want to complete it, so you don't do it, And we are taking a little break from this episode to let you all know if you have been enjoying Face the Climb podcast, if you've been able to take little climbing gems out of these episodes and start implementing into your climbing and see an improvement in your climbing, if you have found that this podcast has helped you look at climbing in a different lens and also go about your climbing differently and just help you understand that yes, What you are going through is 
valid in your climbing, no matter what grade that you are climbing at. And if you've been feeling those things, enjoying this podcast, and are looking for a way to support, you can do so by going down into the show notes and clicking on the buy me a cup of coffee link. That is buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb. Again, that is buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb. If you are looking for a way to do a reoccurring support for this podcast, then you can also choose that option by going down into the show notes and choosing the Buzzsprout subscriptions. Uh, Absolutely appreciate your support so much and cannot thank you all enough. Seriously, that is, again, two separate ways that you can support this podcast. The first is by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb and or doing the Buzzsprout subscriptions. You can find both of those down in the show notes. And again, I cannot thank you all enough for the sport. I absolutely love podcasting. Now we'll get back to the rest of the episode. then that's not a good training plan for you. The biggest, the number one fucking thing that makes a training plan a good training plan for you is that it's one that you will actually do. That is the biggest, biggest, biggest thing. Number one, number one, I would say the number one golden rule for a good training plan, it's the training plan that you will actually do. So when you are looking to hire coaches, make sure that, you know, you have open conversations and discussions with your climbing coach, like, hey, I actually despise this exercise and I don't want to do it. You know, it's not that it makes it uncomfortable. It's not that, you know, I know that it's going to be hard. It's just that I actually despise it. And these are conversations that I have with my one-on-one athletes, my one-on-one climbers all the time is I'll check in and be like, hey, are there any drills or any exercises that you like absolutely fucking hate? Because if so, tell me and we're going to switch that out because I want to make sure that we're setting you up for success and that you will actually follow through and continue with your training program and adhere to it. So number one (laughs) golden rule is it's got to be a training plan that you will end up doing and you will actually do. And that goes for if you are writing your own training plans as well. You can see exercises and things that you want to add in and then you write it out for you and then you find out like, oh man, I hate this. I absolutely hate this. And you may grunt through it for like two, three weeks, but then come the fourth week, you're just like, I fucking can't do this anymore. I'm done. And then you just stop. Not a good training plan. Not a good training plan. Okay, so that is the number number one thing that makes a good training plan a good training plan. You got to fucking actually want to do it and then you got to actually do it. And like, yeah, number one, if you're not going to do the training plan, if you're not doing the training plan, then you're not going to see an improvement in your climbing. It's not a good training plan for you then. End of story. The next thing is... The training plan, a good training plan, consists of the least amount of training that you need. So we are talking minimal effective dose. And the reason for this is, one, kind of goes back to number one topic of adherence to the training program. So if you are doing 
a lot of exercises, a lot of drills. You're like in the gym five days a week when you're used to only climbing two days a week, you know, three days a week, and then you go to five days a week and your sessions are like two plus hours long. That is going to set you up for not adhering to your training program because we are doing a lot more work than you actually need to be doing. So you're going to end up fatiguing yourself because you're just doing so much fucking volume. And on top of that, with the minimal effective dose, we are we are all human, functioning human beings in a society where we have jobs, we have families, we have friends, we have life stressors, we have so much going on in our fucking lives that if you are spending so much time doing your training plan, that's going to cut into other areas of your life, which then can just add on more stress. It can create conflict. When I'm going to tell you right now, climbing training programs, training for climbing, if you're not a professional climber, if you don't make your money from climbing perf- your climbing performance, it's it's not the number one priority, okay? So that's just, it's just going to cause bigger issues in your life. We need to think about you as a whole person as well. And with the minimal effective dose, you know, doing the least amount of training that you actually need to be doing sets you up for greater gains as well because we aren't going to be fatiguing you out as much as a higher volume training program, right? And that's not to say that you can't train at higher volumes. You totally can, especially if you're going to be working on endurance training. That will probably uh, include more volume of training. But again, even if you're endurance training, we're still going to try to reach that minimal effective dose that we are trying, the minimum amount of training that you actually need to elicit a response. And of course, there's going to be like trial and error with this, but the best programs are going to be hitting that minimum effective dose because then that's going to lead to faster recovery in between sessions. And the recovery is where our gains happen. If you, you know, it's not necessarily when you are lifting is when the uh increase in strength is happening, it's in the recovery process. So we're going to have quicker recovery. And we're going to, on top of that as well, we're going to eliminate, not I don't want to say eliminate, but decrease the amount of fatigue on ourselves. And then with that, we're also going to decrease the risk of injuries that happen from just so much volume. Okay, so that's a good training program is really, really hitting that minimum effective dose to elicit a response, to elicit an improvement in your performance, in your climbing. So we've got two things now. The first one is the, you know, you want to make sure that it's a training program that you will actually do. And the second one is we, a good training program includes the minimal effective dose that you need. It includes the minimal amount of training that you actually need to elicit an improvement in your performance. The next thing is a big, 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 
huge one. I know I said the number one gold standard was the number one. Well, it, the number one, the first one is still number one in my eyes because, like, if you don't stick to your training program that you aren't, then you aren't even going to be, like, hitting this third one. But the third one is the training program needs to be adaptable and flexible to your life. It cannot be rigid. And this is crucial for adherence and consistency in your training and being able to do what you need to do in your training plan. So hitting your climbing training sessions to elicit a response, to elicit an improvement in your climbing. It needs to be adaptable and flexible. It can't be rigid. So what I mean by that is, you know, going back to the topic of we are human beings. We have lives. We have family. We have stressors. We have friends. We have work. We have things that pop up at last minute all the time. We have travel. If you're in your fucking late 20s and early 30s, there's weddings, you know, people are having babies, baby showers. You know, there's just so much going on that is higher priority over your climbing training. And because your climbing training isn't the number one priority to those things, it needs to be able to work around the higher priority things. So it needs to be adaptable to your life and to things popping up, and it needs to be flexible. If it's too rigid, if it's like you need to hit every single workout every single week on these certain days, you're not going to be able to do that. You just aren't. It's not realistic, truthfully. Honestly, it's not realistic. Like, think about your life for a minute. Is it actually Are you actually able to get to the climbing gym? Let's say it takes three months. Are you actually able to get to the climbing gym every Monday night at the same time, every Wednesday night at the same time, every Friday night at the same time? Does that ever change? For majority of people, the answer is no, I'm not able to. There are some people out there that would be able to, and that is great. And even for those people, I would still suggest and still recommend that your training plan is adaptable and flexible because shit pops up. Shit fucking happens. And we we have nothing that we can do about that. So what I mean by adaptable and flexible is, you know, having a training program that does have the least amount of training that you actually need will help with this as well because then it isn't too time-consuming. You won't feel like you need to hit four-plus sessions a week. So when you don't have four-plus sessions a week, let's say you have two, three climbing training sessions per week, because there's two to three and there's seven days in a week, you already have more flexibility and adaptability versus the four-plus training days a week. Because once you get to four, that means you only have three days that you've got, right? Whereas when, let's say you're doing two climbing training, two climbing training days a week, like my breakthrough training program that I have, that is the self-guided training program for climbers that haven't trained before looking to build up capacity. It's two training days a week. So much flexibility and adaptability in there if life happens, right? And then it still allows having rest days in there as well. So that is absolutely huge. And then additionally, adapt not even adaptable and flexible to your schedule, but it needs to be adaptable and flexible to your fatigue levels and how you are feeling. 
So when I program for my athletes, you know, I have it on certain days. That's just how the app works that I have. So I'll have, you know, the three days out, I'll have it like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I will let them know like, hey, you don't actually need to do them on these days. And on top of that, this is when this day, you could do these two days back to back, but if you do this day, this high intensity day, you're going to want to definitely have a rest day after it. And let's say you're going into your high intensity day and you're not feeling too good. Like if you don't feel completely recovered from your last session, if the workday was super stressful and you're fatigued, you're tired, you didn't eat enough that day, you got really shitty sleep last night and you're going through your warm up and you're like, wow, I'm not prepared for this high intensity session, switch it out and do a different day. And then come the day that you are prepared, do it that day for the week, right? And that's where the adaptability and flexibility also comes into play is not being so rigid in terms of you have to do the high intensity day on Monday. You have to do your endurance day on Wednesday. You have to do your lifting day on Friday. But being able to switch those days around in terms of your energy levels and how you are feeling for that session. And, you know, that has also a lot to do uh, with auto-regulation of yourself and being able to know where you're at. And I'm super excited. I am going to be releasing the free course, slow dripping it, a free course to my email list first. And then I will package it up all together nice and pretty and put it out to the world as well. But part of this free course dives deep into auto-regulation for lifting and climbing training. And I'm super excited. So if you want first dibs on that, and it's probably going to be one of the first videos that I, uh, videos for the course that I release to the email list, you are going to want to hop on my email list, which you can do by going down into the show notes. Just going to say that out right now. Auto-regulation is an amazing way to self-monitor your workload for a session for climbing, but especially for lifting. If you are getting into lifting, this is a great way to figure out where you were at for that session, how much weight to do for that session, but also for climbing training, like on the wall climbing, you can use auto-regulation as well. And like I mentioned, it's going to be one of the first videos that I slow drip out to my email list. So you're definitely going to want to hop on it. If you want to learn all about that, it's seriously, it is so, so helpful. And it also Uh, I kind of go into studies within the video and talk about studies that show that it is the same, if not better, than using fixed loads and percentages off of 1RM. So again, you can hop on that email list if you are not already by going down in the show notes. But talking about the adaptability and flexibility, it's just like so huge because, oh man, we are humans. I can't say that enough. I literally cannot reiterate that enough that we are humans And we just have so much going on. You are not going to feel 100% every single day. That's just, it's unrealistic. You can give, you know, there's a difference between giving 100% for that day, for that session, versus trying to perform at your best 100% every day and every session. And the adaptability and flexibility of a training program really, really helps with you being able to work at 100% for that day of what you are feeling for that day. And 
it's huge. It's just, it's absolutely huge. I can't, I can't say that enough. And then the last thing that I want to talk about in terms of what makes a good climbing training program, a good climbing training program is it is actually going to help you reach your goals, right? Like if you have a training program that is focused on building up your endurance and was made for preparing a climber to go climb at the Red River Gorge, but you're a boulderer and you want to improve your bouldering, that's not the training program for you, right? We want to make sure that your training program is actually going to help you reach your climbing goals, your climbing objectives, right? If And let's say you can have very general objectives, and even with the general objectives, you still want to make sure that it's your training program is tailored towards that. You may just want to become a stronger climber. So if you want to become a stronger climber, just doing endurance training isn't going to help you reach that objective. Lifting will help with that. Limit bouldering, um, you know, other drills, lock-offs on the wall, finger strength on the wall, hangboarding, you know, you want to just, you want to make sure that your training program is actually going to help you reach your climbing goals. And it's not uncommon to not reach that. It's not uncommon to see climbers doing a training program that isn't actually going to help them reach their climbing goals. And on top of that, going back to we are humans, y'all. I can't say that enough. I've said that so many times during this episode, but I really can't say that enough. I really can't say that enough. We are fucking humans. As we progress in our climbing, as our lives change, as we different priorities happen, our climbing goals will change as well. So our climbing training needs to adapt to our ever-evolving climbing goals to our ever-evolving climbing objectives, right? Because as we progress as climbers, our climbing goals will change. And that's not to say that your climbing goal will always be to climb the next grade. It isn't for me. It hasn't been for me. There have been moments when I've been wanting to hit grades, and then there's moments where I'm just like, fuck, I want to get my, I want to get strong again. Like, I don't feel strong. I want to get strong again. And that's kind of where I'm at right now personally is I'm back in the weight room, especially because it's fucking hot in the Northeast and it is so fucking wet. Oh my God, Vermont. If you've not seen all the videos of the Vermont flooding, it breaks my heart, but it has been so wet, so hot. And even like, it's so hot where I'm not even motivated to go climb in a climbing gym even really truthfully. So I'm just focusing on lifting weights and then doing finger strength training and climbing when I feel motivated to climb. So that's where I'm at as a climber right now. I am working towards a different uh, overarching goal that will benefit from what I'm doing right now. I can't share that with you all yet. I will be soon. (laughs) It has to do with life transitions that I'm going through right now. But, you know, we're back in... April, my objective, my goal was to flash a 512 at the new, and my training looked very, very, very different (laughs) for that than it is right now. So my goals have changed. So my training has changed. It's adaptable. 
We have changed. Will your training build off of each other? Yes, 100%. Will you lose some of the stuff that you have worked up as you transition in your training to work towards new goals? Yes, that will happen. That is just a, you know, that's just part of training. Once you stop training it, you kind of start losing it, but it's not like you'll go back to zero, right? Or maybe it'll feel like you go back to zero, but then once you start training again, it comes back quicker. So there are aspects to that, that, you know, that's a reality of this. I do want to point out, but it's not the end of the world. So we just went over four things of what makes a good training program a good training program. So the first one was it's one that you will actually do. We need you to actually do the training program. The second one is that it has the least amount of training that you actually need. So the minimal effective dose. The third, it needs to be adaptable and flexible to your life. It can't be rigid, okay? It just can't be rigid. It needs to be adaptable and flexible to your life and to how you're feeling for the session that you're going in. And then the last one is it actually needs to help you reach your goals (laughs) and it needs to be able to adapt to your goals as they change as you evolve as a climber. Oh, such good. So such goodies. And like I mentioned, I didn't mention anything about like the best training program has this many reps focused on these drills and everything. That's not that's not what makes a good training program a good training program. The four topics that we just talked about are definitely on the top tier over that because we the four that I just talked about are the things that are going to help you most with adherence and consistency of keeping with the training program because you could have all the science down. You could have all the reps, the perfect weights, the perfect percentages, the perfect climbing drills to get you to reach your goals. But if you don't adhere to the program, if you aren't consistent with the program, it doesn't fucking matter. We got to hit those four things first that we talked about, and then we can worry about the rest. All right. So thank you for listening to today's episode. And like I mentioned, you got to go check out the blog, the blog. It's on my website, facetheclimb.com slash blog. I'll put it down in the show notes. And then, you know, I am going to be releasing Slow Dripping, that free course out to the email list soon. And if you want first dibs on that, definitely hop on the email list. Go down in the show notes. You can sign up via that. And if you're looking for ways to support Face the Climb podcast right now, you can do so by going over to buymeacoffee.com backslash face the climb. I appreciate it so, so, so much. There have been so many supporters already. Oh, thank you so much. It is so helpful and it keeps this podcast going and also keeps me from using advertisements in the podcast because I have had people reach out and, you know, I really want to keep this organic. And maybe that's a bad decision, but it's something that's really special to me and I want to keep it organic. And yeah. Oh, man. Thank you all and have a good rest of your day. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to another Face the Climb podcast episode. It has been a pleasure having you here. And if you're looking for more ways to dive into lifting and strength training, 
definitely go check out the free lifting guide, which you can find down in the show notes and or on my website, www.facetheclimb.com. This is the guide to set yourself up for success in the weight room and doing it with confidence. We dive into how to build up strength. We dive into auto-regulation, sets and reps, progressive overload to help you build that strength through educational videos. But then we also dive into how a bunch of how to do exercise videos like deadlifts, rows, bench press for barbells and dumbbells. This is guide is jam-packed with information and an amazing resource if you're looking to get into lifting. And of course, make sure you go and follow me on Instagram at face the climb. I would love to see you there and have conversations. All right. Have a good rest of your day, y'all.